She's April. And she's Molly. And we are the Book Besties. With a frog in the throat. Did you guys forget about us? I bet you fuckers did, didn't you? It's like uh, Kim Possible. Do, 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 do. Off topic. And I took my meds today. The statement was enough. We don't need to hear Rihanna. Welcome to the shit show, gang. I hope you like it. We were dancing with Doug, and it was so cute. Potato chip. Molly! <laughs> Why do I keep my hands up like this? Like, I need to keep the clap on screen for longer. We're holding than the clap, just so Tom knows. We did it! We swear, Tom! <laughs> they, the, uh, people listening don't know what we're talking about, but... Uh, Tom, my husband, our editor, asked us to clap so that he can sync our audio and video. And today I kept my hands up like, I'm going to keep him here to make sure he knew. Because <laughs> I, like I, I have crazy. clapped off screen and he's like, is Molly mad at me? No, <laughs> she's just an asshole. <laughs> he needs the clap to be on screen so he can sync it. But yeah. Oh my God. What a fucking week it's been here. Yeah. Um. So let's see. Piper, Liv had back to school. I worked mm-hmm. two full days. Matt started that shutdown, so he's on fucking nights. Oh, um, yeah. I take Piper back to the orthodontist. Uh, I've been taking her to ROTC all week. Oh, orthodontist. She got her braces off, right? Right. That tooth smoothing, that side crooked tooth I have. Already? She's had them off two weeks, April. Is two she weeks. wearing her retainers? Yeah. Yeah. She was wearing it extra because she's like, it feels weird. I want to make sure it stays in right. So then she came upstairs from brushing her teeth one night and she's like, it's moving, it's moving, it's moving, it's moving. And I'm like, what? And I look in that little tooth down at the bottom, that one that's all funky on my bottom, mm-hmm. twisted already. So what are they going to do? Are they going to put him back on? Um, so right now he's having her wear it all the time, unless she's mm-hmm. eating all the time. Mm-hmm. And then they're hoping that the plastic like removable retainer will put it back. And then what they'll do is they'll go in and they'll put the permanent bar underneath because mm. it, it it shouldn't be doing this. He said oh. he was he was really surprised. Or the yeah, doctor was like so shocked. Good. I was like, "Where? That's a big family for you. Expect the unexpected." Well, I am tired today because I just worked my seven day stretch, and oh. so. I feel exhausted, but I had a really cool program yesterday. Um, My last day of the seven day stretch, we're filming on a Saturday surprise behind the scenes. Shocker. Um, (laughs) I, I, we did, um, uh, we have, we have costume characters that we order and rent as a system and we tend to do it like one in the fall and one in the spring. And so September is library card silent month. So if you don't have a library card, go to your local library and sign up for a library card this month. A lot of libraries are doing special things because it's library card silent month. And, um, in any case, if you haven't been in a library in a while, you don't know what libraries are. We have more than just books. So Word. Um, but we do have the books, so you could stop buying the books. I mean, the books are pretty great, too. The books. But anyway, so um, off my off my soapbox. So yesterday we had a character. We had Duck from the Doreen Cronin series. So, like, Pre- Duck for President would be the yeah. one that he's the main character. But um, Cows That Type was the first book in that, like, series Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so one of my staff members dressed up as Duck and the kids Good just job. loved it. And we were dancing with Duck and uh, it was so cute. So it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was a good way to wrap out the seven day stretch, which is just so exhausting. Like that yeah. was like, okay, but I get to do this this morning. So that was right. Cool. It's something to look forward to. That was the to most wrap. complicated costume I've ever had to put someone in. It took three of us to put my staff really? member in the It costume. just looked like a hat, a helmet and a body. No, there was like a rucksack, like uh, bars, like you would use uh -huh. for like, a, like a camping backpack or like yeah. a military like backpack. Yeah. Yeah, you had to like strap the person in. Um, there Weird. was like a halo that had to be fitted inside it to keep the head up. Um, it was really complicated. There were fans in it, so Good and it wasn't like it wasn't an inflatable one, but there they wanted to keep duck puffed out a little bit. So there were fans. There was a hula hoop in it. It was like crazy. That's adorable, but also. I can't imagine being the body in that. I bet yeah. he was, that my, person was sweaty. My member who did it was, uh, was really warm and worn out after. Yeah. But oh I'm very thankful for that staff member. It was, it was cool. I'm yeah. sure the kids loved it. I'm sure they the really kids did. They really did. So, yeah. You, you know, it's not cool how this book made me feel this week. Oh, yeah. Um, let's talk about this book. So this week we read Under the Whispering Door by TJ Clune. Um, Rude. That's all I'm going to say about this book. Rude. Um, and uh, do you want me to do a synopsis? I would love a synopsis. All right. Under the Whispering Door is about the death of Wallace Price and the life he finds when his physical life ends. In this found family trope fantasy novel, Wallace meets May, a reaper, Hugo, a ferryman, Nelson, a fellow ghost, and Hugo's grandfather, and Atlas, a ghost dog. At Karen's Crossing Tea Shop, which is a way station to the afterlife. Wallace spent his life as a heartless, miserable man who was often intentionally cruel in the name of business. Facts. But at Karen's Crossing, he learns the value of humanity and kindness. As Wallace begins to pour himself into this new ragtag family, he learns the truth about life, death, and the universe. And uncovers lies even Hugo believed. When the manager steps to steps in to force Wallace to cross through the whispering door, Wallace allows himself the chance to admit he has changed and fallen in love with Hugo, who is still very much alive. Death is just their beginning in this beautifully written novel by T.J. Clune. Trigger warnings for this episode, death, sudden death, death of a parent, death of a child, death of a loved one, death of a pet, and suicide. All and of them. And like I all want, the dead stuff, baby. Yeah, and I want to read um, T.J. Clune's author's note. This is how, this is the author's note at the front of the book. This story explore, explores life and love as well as loss and grief. There are discussions of death in different forms, quite unex quiet, unexpected, and death by suicide. Please read with care. Yes. Be so. very, if you are in a soft spot right now, and your heart is hurting. This is not the book for you, babies. Yeah. I was a little worried because when I read the author's note, it was still very uh, fresh. My mother-in-law passing, which we talked about in the first episode, um, which it still is. I mean, it's not even been a month yet. But yeah, it, I mean, you're still living with it. It is very yeah. much a daily part of your life still. Yeah. But I, um, 
I was nervous, but I, I want to get more into the conversation before I just like tell you that. So the feels. Um, got it. This, yeah. This is our second time reading TJ Klune. Mm-hmm. His first traditionally published novel is the house on the cerulean sea, Ugh. which is a favorite for both of us. I have gone on record to say that that is my favorite book we have covered Done. at all. I agree. It's definitely my favorite book from last, from last year. I very much loved it. Um, and so how did you feel like this novel, his second traditionally published novel measured up? It, I mean, I was really excited because I fell in love with TJ as an author, as a narrator, as just a creative person in yeah. Cerulean. And when this first started up, I was like, oh, this isn't what I was expecting. Yeah. And I put an expectation out there. So that was on me, not him as an author, right? Yeah. As I got further into, as I I struggled at first, and you and I had a whole conversation about this via text. Um, it just wasn't feeling like him. And the more I got into it, and the more I started listening to it, and the more, like, I was in the the groove of the book, I saw him again. I saw TJ. I saw his words. Yeah. Like he hit a pace and I was like, oh, this is TJ. Yeah. He definitely has a voice, a, like he has his own style. That is for sure. There is this touch of whimsy in his writing that you don't get a lot with other writers. So he is definitely his own person, but I was very, this was unexpected. Yeah. This was a lot heavier. This was a lot more yeah. intense than, yeah. I mean, theirs was some intensity in yeah. Cerulean Sea, but not in the way this book holds up life and death, yeah. you know? I mean, I didn't really know what this book was about. I uh-huh. knew it was TJ Klune and because we liked House on the Cerulean Sea first, which so much, which we actually, it was a fan suggestion. and uh, um, Leslie! Leslie, yeah. who came on? Keep suggesting we do the fan suggestions, and you hosted that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really wanted to read another TJ Clune, so I threw this one on. I didn't know it was about death, um, but I have to say, for me, it had a little slow start. So, so House and Cerulean was a solid five for me. Like that was a five out of five. This one, because of the slower start, I gave it a four out of five. Um, I maybe could argue four and a half, but I feel like the slow start really was a lot. It was very heavy handed in the beginning. It was um, a three and a half for me, just of how slow really? it was. Yeah, but, I like his writing. It's just, it's but missing I, elements of him. I really fell in love with the characters and I fell in love with the story. And I mean, I know I texted you pretty early on and I was like, uh, this is going to be another ghost falling in love with a, with a living person. I um, mean, I think that's our niche now. Ghost romance. We've only done one other ghost romance. That was... See? uh, We have a niche. There's two. I don't think that two counts as a niche. Have we read anything else that is back-to-back like that? That's similar. Molly, we read Dead Romantics a whole season ago. Okay, but we have... Okay, we did do vampire books. We did do two vampire books. We did two vampire books? Discovery of Witches and Twilight. Yeah, I always forget that Discovery Witches has a vampire in it. They don't um, sparkle either. Yeah, Deb will I tell you that herself. I know. I know. All right. So, okay. yeah, I mean, I mean, I just, I felt like um, it did have a slow start, but I felt like the, I don't know what word I want to use here, but there's Potato a care. Chip. Huh? Potato chip. It's not that. 
And that's two words, but it's not that. The care that T.J. Klune takes with his characters, and he, this is the second book we read by him, and they were both found family tropes. And, like, the care that he takes within that trope, I, I just feel like, for me, I want to read everything he writes. Okay, totally off topic. But um, I want to be in his therapy sessions. If he is writing found family so hard, what is T.J. looking for in life? Sweetie, what's going on? Do you want to talk? We're here for you. <laughs> All right. And this book is heavy on death and afterlife. And we've talked a lot on here about our personal religious beliefs. So I think it's worth talking about that some more because yes. of how this book handles death. Well, um, and you and and religion. interpret, yeah. Yeah. We interpret so, it differently. Yeah. Right. So what did you feel about the portrayal of the afterlife here? And how did you feel it compared to your personal beliefs? I like this. And mm-hmm. here's why. TJ... His audience, his preferred audience, the direction he's shooting for isn't us. He 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 wants those youngers, right? Like, I, I feel mean, like he writes adult fiction. It's not it just, YA. I don't know. My kids love it. Like their generation loves his shit. Like, anyway, that's not they the point. Like not my they, fucking point. There's they just like that. There's queer books, and I do too. Like, <laughs> right? Uh, not my fucking point. Mm-hmm. Um, off topic. And I took my meds today. I watched her take her meds today. That's what's annoying right now. <laughs> For both of us. <laughs> and Katie. I had three adults paying attention to me. Uh, okay. So here's the deal. I like the conversation about what's after. Mm-hmm. Because my struggle mm-hmm. with that part of faith mm-hmm. is literally that word, right? faith you have Mm -hmm. to have undying faith yeah and that there is something beyond the after right Mm -hmm. and all of these characters they had physical evidence of the faith right Mm -hmm. they literally walk up to this door and they can hear the voices Mm -hmm. and that's beautiful to me right that that gives them hope at the end yeah and there is this my problem is are we going to talk about the stabbing victim Yes. Okay, I will talk about it then. But my problem is life is more like that for me mm-hmm. and not with the faith side. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. So I'm more used to being alone, dying mm-hmm. in an alley, not voices lifting me up, bringing me home. Right. Does that make sense? It does. Um, so if you haven't read this book, you should. But if yeah. you haven't read this book, the concept is that uh, when you die, a reaper, in our case, it's May, comes and retrieves your spirit. Who your I want to Aquafina to play, by the way. When this movie comes out, I don't know why, but I want Aquafina to be May. <laughs> she needs She's to be. Tall. She's too tall. No, Aquafina I want it. Me. I want it. I'm making it happen. I don't know how. Aquafina for May. Okay. Hashtag. Okay. Anyway, so May comes and reaps your ghost. They don't say spirit. They say ghost. Ghost. Um, And she brings you to a way station. The Reaper brings you to a way station. And in this case, the way station is the Karen's Crossing tea shop. Mm -hmm. And um, Hugo is a ferryman. And the fairy people, not fairy like fae. It's not like Akatar. He doesn't have wings, gang. It's, It's fairy as in like boat. And they are to guide the ghost to going through the door um which leads to not heaven but they call it everything 
So it's an afterlife, um, but they say it's not heaven. That's a that's a human construct, concept. and 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 God is not. It, God is a human concept as well. So for me, and this was part of the reason why I found the beginning slow because they're setting up mm-hmm. all of that, and it is counter to my beliefs. Mm-hmm. So what I believe as a Christian is when we die your spirit goes to one of two places and that's one decision that you made in life. I think that they've sort of made the way station kind of like purgatory, but they also say purgatory is a human um, concept Concept. and purgatory isn't something that people believe anymore. It was a Catholic belief that is no longer a part of the Catholic belief system. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you want to read a really good book about that, that's um, classic lit um i highly recommend dante's inferno mm-hmm. uh, the divine comedy in general that is one of my favorite ancient um lits but anyway um so for me because it was counter to what i believe i found that hard i yeah. don't believe in ghosts i believe in spirits oh i do um, and I, I definitely think that there are evil and good spirits and that they remain here. But I don't think of them as like dead people who are mm. still around. Oh, no. The, I definitely believe that there are just hum, like leftover human entities, ghosts, uh-huh. spirits, whatever you want. I mean, I've seen it personally. No, I, I feel like I feel like those spirits are we that we think are ghosts are not actually human, that they're. Mm demonic or angelic or some sort of other that's not human but it doesn't matter for me that took a bit to swallow but then I got kind of the point the point was that he needed to change Mm -hmm. he needed to be better yeah um I mean and that's the point right we all to ascend on to move on Mm-hmm. We all need to be better beings. We need and to it's be not, better. And it's not a new concept for pop culture to have a second chance trope. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's not uncommon. There are plenty of movies where, mm-hmm. I mean, ghost for crying out loud, Patrick ghost? Swayze literally what? plays a ghost. Um, Heaven on <laughs> Earth with Chris Rock where. Yeah, exactly. Like, like we there can, are we can go on examples. Tons of them. So, so it's not like this is like a new concept. It just right. was a different way of it being handled. Um, and do you know what Dean's character name was in, in Ghost? Mm-mm. Molly! I'm pretty sure it was. I'm pretty sure. Okay. No. Okay, anyways, continuing on. Um, all right. So Wallace and Hugo find love in a hopeless place. Did you we feel found love no. in a oh, okay. No. The statement was enough. We don't need to hear Rihanna. Did you feel <laughs> Yes, her name was Molly. Thank you. I was right going on. Did you feel their love story was necessary to the overall plot of this book, or was this just trying too hard to recreate the magic of House on Cerulean Sea? I guess we know Molly's answer. (laughs) It's cute. It's adorable. I loved it. I'm so glad they found fucking love. But we don't need a goddamn love story. We don't need a goddamn love story. Yeah. We needed Wallace to figure out his shit so he could move on to the other side. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's the whole point of this. Yeah. I mean, it didn't end up being the point. When no. We and I get but, it. Yeah. And I get it. Like, was his face was sad and lonely, even though he had his family and May. And 
I get it. And the hook and the cord is the symbolism of finding your person and mm-hmm. whatever. Like, are you quacking? Do you want me to do the goat? It's like a blah, blah, blah. It's like a blah, blah, blah kind of thing. You know, like, I didn't think it was necessary either. And that was also my complaint about the house in the Cerulean Sea. Like, I didn't feel like. I feel like it fit better there. Yeah. This felt more forced. Yeah. Like, oh, we have to purposely make it known Wallace is by, right? Like, we have to take the time and add that note in. And, like, we already had a fucking hard time at life being a dickhead. Did he really need to be a bisexual? So, I have a question about. Uh, representation a little bit later. So hold on to that thought. But um, I didn't think it was necessary to the story. I don't think Hugo needed to fall in love with him. I don't care that Hugo was gay. I don't care that Wallace was bi. They could have been friends. Like, like straight people can be friends. Gay people can be friends too. They don't all just want to fuck each other. Like, I mean, it's not how that works. It's a honey of this works. But I mean, there is a group of queers out there right now who are fucking just because they can. So. Well, there are a group of straights out there doing the same thing. So. Yeah. They usually like to have pineapple as decor for their home, though. Mm. That's creepy. Okay. (laughs) Totally not. We are not doing great today. April, we are 20 fucking minutes in. I think this is probably going to be one of our worst episodes (laughs) ever. Welcome to the shit show, gang. I this hope you like, like it. This is bad, like, first season bad. <laughs> Gosh. I'm here for the chaos. We need it. Oh. You and I deserve a chaos episode. Somebody send us some positive re- like positive memes or something, because this is going downhill real quick. <laughs> okay, what question were we on? Four. Wallace Fucking in- A. <laughs> Wallace in his human life was very unlikable. The book actually starts with him heartlessly and unnecessarily firing an assistant, his assistant, the day before he dies of a heart attack. Further, only four people show up to his funeral and none of them seem to actually have good things to say about him. Do you like Wallace's redemption arc or was it too cliche and predictable? I liked it. And okay. I'm going to defend that answer yeah. by saying that one... It wasn't instantaneous, mm-hmm. okay? And usually in redemption arcs and that kind of bullshit, they they fucking do a whole montage of them becoming better and then right, just right. instantly the rest of the book. He didn't do that. Right. He gave Wallace time. And, right. and I liked that. Two, yeah. not everybody liked Wallace and Wallace didn't like everybody at the house. Right. That was a big one, right? Not everybody right. was fucking welcoming. He, right. I mean, the granddad was heckling him constantly, giving him a yeah. hard time, you know? So it really Granddad was, was trying to shape him up to be good for his grand, Right, you know? right, right. I mean, right. He just wanted to go home. I mean, let's not lie. Granddad was tired. I, I felt uh, that his redemption arc was good, too. Like, mm-hmm. I definitely, and I agree with you on what you've defended. I don't think it was cliche or predictable. I think it... It could have been. Ways it was predictable. It like, I kind of figured he'd get a redemption. Like, what the fuck is the point of the story otherwise? But he could have written this way more cliche. Yeah, This could have been cheesy Mm-mm. and gross. And he took time to make... Thoughtful right. moves. He took time to write thoughtful stories in. Right. Like, he- and it was a process. And yeah. I think what we get is 
we're going to talk about him a little bit later, but we have a different um, person who, whose name is Alan, who comes to the Karen's crossing as well. Oh, K-Ron's crossing. I don't know why I keep saying Karen, K-Ron's crossing. And um, Alan's story is the counter of, of Wallace's. He doesn't get the redemption, mm-hmm. but that, but Wallace works really hard for that. And he's not doing it for any reason other than he wants to help. Like he's gotten to the point where he wants to make things better. Like he realizes I was a dick. Yeah. Um, both Clune books we've read have the found family trope. And I know we both enjoy that um, trope. So how do you feel the trope did in this novel? This was like a bunch of college kids fighting their people. You know, this wasn't a, I mean, while it is a found family, mm-hmm. it was like, like House Bunny or, 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 or uh, um, any of the sorority movies, you know what I mean? Where like, mm-hmm. it's all the outcasts and they find each other and mm-hmm. they live happily ever after. That, yeah. that was, that, that was the, it feels like the inspo for this, you know what I mean? Because you got, yeah. you got the jokester, you got the one that's sensitive, you got the one that has, you know, health, mental health issues, you have the one that's an asshole. Like they all filled little tropes in the, yeah. it, he played chess well. I think it was well written. Um, it's one that like, I feel like could have gone off the rails. You have mm-hmm. these very different personalities and, yeah. um, I think he could have gone dark. Really, yeah. He could have definitely wrote that darker and he didn't. And it, yes. And it wasn't insta love either. It wasn't like Hugo and Wallace loved each other from day one. Um, and you just it, lock eyes and be right, right. Like, why are you dead? Like it wasn't that. And, and oh no, my betrothed. Right. And May's character could have very easily just been the Reaper who provides cliche occasionally, but she wasn't. There was a depth to her story. We learn her story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's just layers to this that like I feel that that I didn't expect. I didn't expect that. So um nelson and atlas are anomalies in Kron's crossing they have yeah. chosen to remain ghosts and not go through the whispering door they have both stayed with hugo stayed for hugo sorry what do you think of these of them as companions to hugo even in death um i think they both stay out of obligation yeah yeah and that's kind of sad and yeah. it's heartbreaking because wallace uh, like he uh, not Wallace. What is his name? Nelson. Nelson. Hugo. Hugo knows it, and it makes him heartbroken, right? Because he knows they're not moving on, right? But at the same time, he can't go anywhere, so he can't really get his own people to bring back to there. So, like, yeah, he, it, it, they're all stuck. Their lives were stuck. They actually needed this change, yeah. You know that came with him. I thought it was an interesting choice to have. Um, Atlas say because there's no other animals. They didn't even know what happened to animals until Atlas mm-hmm. comes. But Nelson, for me, this is interesting because, and I feel like this is a mistake that TJ Klune actually made. Mm. That really did a terrible job. Try it again. Oh my gosh. I got you. There we there go. There you go. <laughs> it was, it had stuff stuck in it, so it didn't want to like ring. Um, I'm not saying that losing your parent at any age would be easy, no. but Hugo was 25 when his parents died. So it's not like Nelson was raising him. Like, I feel like it, it just, they been treated it like he was a toddler. 
Right. They're like, I can't leave him. Hugo is a baby. No, he's not. He's a fucking grown ass man. Yeah. I feel like it would have been a different vibe if he were 15 or, you know, whatever. He was a teenager and then Nelson raised him. And then it would make more sense that Nelson's wife, I don't remember what her name was, but she had already passed. That gave me a to that story because that's just fucking up vibes. I just. You know, spouses die one and then the other. They don't often die together, Molly. Right, so. but like, oh, we had this beautiful old life, people live together, and then I couldn't leave because of my grandson. Well, oh, look, can't thing. leave because there's a kid I got to take care of. Who's Hi, I'm a junior ranger, and I'm here to help you today. He's 25. He wasn't even a kid. But he says his wife would have understood that he had to stay for Hugo. And I'm just like, I feel like the mistake that TJ made here was that he made him too old when this happened. But I think that that probably came. This is what I think. I'm going to call out the editor on this one. And that's usually your beef that you don't, you usually say the author isn't to blame, blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to call out the editor on this one because I have a feeling that the original story, Hugo was younger. And the editor said, so now Hugo isn't old enough for Wallace. So you have to figure out. You have to pick one. Yeah. How you think, they picked, you, you think you pick, he picked a storyline and just stuck to it. And I don't think he picked the right one. I think Hugo needed to be younger. Well, I mean, he- are we going to talk? I'm sure we're going to talk about it, but his use of children in inappropriate places. Yeah, we are going to talk about it. <laughs> I'm not there yet. <laughs> Keep moving on. <laughs> I also wasn't surprised um, that Nelson and Atlas made the decision to go through the whispering door once he at the end. Life. No, the, spoiler alert. Once yeah. the once. You know, they knew he was safe and sound and everything was yeah. just magically perfect and everybody lives happily ever after. Yeah. Because that yeah. doesn't fucking happen. Yeah. Although I'm all, I said this before, I want all the happily ever afters. I don't care how. <laughs> so. All right. Speaking of Atlas, Atlas failed therapy dog school. Of course he did. <laughs> but he still provides emotional support for Hugo, who has panic attacks. So when we first see Hugo have a panic attack, the scene felt so raw and real to me that I had to stop and take a breath. Yeah. Um, for me, this was one of the most honest portrayals of an anxiety attack besides Randall on This Is Us. Um, so I wondered what you thought of this addition to the book. As a mom that has sat through several... Mm-hmm. Um, I've been Wallace. I've mm-hmm. been there. The sitting, the waiting, the trying to help, the, mm-hmm. that feeling of helplessness in a mm-hmm. moment when someone is spiraling to their bottoms. Right. Is one of the most difficult things. Right. I, I, I mean, next to the person living, you know what I mean? Like, right. I'm not, mm, no, I'm, I'm saying this wrong. I understand what you're saying. It, it, um, it, yeah. it felt real to me. It felt real to me. And I think that we don't often see anxiety handled the the correct way, I guess, especially in pop culture, because I can think of like the example of Schitt's Creek in the first season, David realizes that he's having panic attacks and he's like, that's not real. That's just something that PR teams use when a star needs a break, a celebrity's break. But anxiety is real. Like an anxiety disorder. I have an anxiety disorder. I talk about it a lot on here. I'm not ashamed of it. And um, I, I don't have panic attacks like this, like this anymore because I'm in therapy and I take medication, but this is what it looks like for me. Mm -hmm. I can't 
be touched. I can't be talked to if somebody is there. And Tom is really good about this. He'll be present without interfering. Um, and that's what this was for me. There yeah. was a care with it. It was very sweet. Um, we're still kind of working that out here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's um, when you're starting it fresh from the beginning yeah. with an eight year old, yeah. it's, it's hard. Yeah. Parents Absolutely. of kids like mine, I, I see you. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. You're doing okay. Yeah. Just, they're going to get there. It's just, it's hard, babies. Yeah. Totally and off so- topic. Speaking of books with this kind of topic, Liv's reading Turtles All the Way Down. Well, I hope she sees herself there. She does, and she's not happy with me about it because she's not liking how it's making her feel. Well, definitely make sure she sees their therapist after because that's one that is hard for me too. I will. I love that book. I love that book because of how real it is. I I told her, I go, you can start this, but you got to talk to your therapist during it. And she's like, that's okay. So she needs to. All right, so May is an interesting character. Um, we get her backstory briefly when we learn that she has always been able to see ghosts, um, which caused her mother to kick her out because her mother was a Chinese immigrant yeah. and wanted them to be normal oh. Americans. Yeah, so she kicked her out because seeing ghosts was not normal oh. and May couldn't pretend that that wasn't happening to her. Um, so I want to know what you thought of May. So, because this book bordered on the dark and the light, mm-hmm. when May first started telling the story, I thought she was going to tell us that she died. Because I that thought May, yeah. like she was a ghost too. I thought May had schizophrenia and then died accidentally mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. like one of her schizophrenic episodes. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about her mom in past tense because she doesn't get to see her mom anymore because she's a right. ghost. And she only gets to be human when she reaps, you know? Yeah. So I thought we were going that way. I'm kind of glad he didn't go that dark. <laughs> I didn't think she was human either. And when he asked, Wallace actually asked her, are you human? And she says, mostly. So I was like, what the fuck? She's not. They she's live in like, the in-between, man. Yeah, she is. She has like some tap on her wrist that she does. and then, She's like, got like a cone conjures up the ghost side you um, know because magic now isn't about spells no we've technologized it. it's like uh kim possible ah, what's the sitch ghosts <laughs> my favorite thing about may was every single time that she was in the kitchen and they would call her out she would come out with a knife and say what's wrong are we under attack <laughs> that I felt that was a very Molly move, by the way, because you know very well, if somebody's bellowing for me and I don't come and I come running, you know, I'm going to have a weapon with me. You better not be bellowing for me like something's dying or I'm coming with a weapon. She also reminded me a lot of um, Lucy from the house on the Cerulean Sea. Like, I feel like she had a lot. There's a lot of character mirroring here. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of characters that she mirror each other. To, well, Lucy listened to like happy pop music while he was in the kitchen and may listens to like death metal but i don't know they just were very similar to me but i really liked may i thought she was a good character um i think it's interesting that her first reaping was of wallace yeah um so uh there are several side stories in this novel Mm -hmm. so here's where we get to if if you ask we were talking about the stabbing victim so i've listed them all out so we're just going to go through all of them so the clairvoyant desdemona Thoughts? I hate people like that. Hmm. 
um, there are people in the real world like this that mm -hmm. prey mm -hmm. on the mentally handicapped, the mentally not well, the mentally handicapped, the mentally ill, the, the people yeah. that are vulnerable, people mm -hmm. that are heartbroken, people like, right. I think there is a connection in the world between on this earth, between heaven, hell, afterlife, spirits, where the fuck you want to say. And I do believe there are certain people that do have that special connection, but I don't think it's like every fucking Tom, Dick and Harry, you yeah. know? And for people that prey on that and take advantage of it, like she did in this book, it just, it sends that home. It reiterates, oh God, people are nasty. And the interesting thing was, even though her clairvoyance obviously wasn't real, she got it right as to where to go. I know. She knew that Charon's Crossing had ghosts in it. Because it has energy, right? Churches have energies. Burial grounds have energy. Significant places of worship and love and heart. There is energy in those places. Be it I mean, she could feel that energy well enough to know it was there. She just couldn't talk to any of the ghosts. Because she's not freaking clairvoyant. She's not clairvoyant. She's a stupid um, bitch. She, she needs to mind her fucking business. Of people, too. Mm -hmm. um, so, Alan, this is the... Alan was murdered. Um, and he comes to K-Run's Crossing after um, Wallace. Oh, Alan. Um, his story is dark. And devastating tries to kill somebody as a ghost violently the uh, he's just so heartbroken and hurt and just mm -hmm. everything alan went through i mean we don't know his life but mm -hmm. what led up to that moment probably he didn't live a great life to begin with yeah. right he he probably made some questionable and dodgy choices the yeah. fact that he got stabbed in an alley and nobody paid paid attention he probably wasn't on a good side of town I would be angry too, though, if I got stabbed and bled out and screamed for help and nobody came. His anger was a hundred percent justified. Yeah, a hundred percent justified. His behavior towards the guy, guy, and trying to kill him, not great. But yeah. I don't know. I that's right. Really guy, guy, me. means the health inspector. Yeah, by guy, guy, I mean the health inspector. But like, it, I don't know. It was rough. He it was, was rough. Okay, have you ever seen The Sixth Sense? Yes. Okay, you know um, uh, Mark Wahlberg's um, Donnie. Yes. No, is it is it Donnie it, that's in the it's movie? Donnie okay. plays the the, the crazy okay. motherfucker. That yeah. is the person. His character there was who I pictured as Alan. And I know that I was alive that he, you know. But yeah, that's if you really want to fuck yourself up, guys, realize that one of the new kids on the block is part of one of the biggest cinematic spoilers of all time. A new kid on the block. Yeah. And now he plays a cop on TV. Well, Justin Timberlake played a kidnapper and murderer in a movie, too. So. He was also on the Mickey Mouse Club first. He was an actor so before that, he was a singer. So that also means that he's going to be a murderer. <laughs> 100%. Look, NSYNC is coming I, back. And let me just tell you. NSYNC's coming back. I am going to that concert. I We're saw them at their going. last world tour and I'm going. If they go I never got to go to any of those kind of things because I was kept in nickels. Well, my because the world is safe in nickels. My grandmother bought me a ticket, otherwise I wouldn't have been able to go, but it was amazing and I was in the fourth row. You know what? The I got to go, you know what, my graduation here. You know what? Side story. Let's have a little Molly history, shall we? 
So we don't have time for Molly history. Oh, it's a quick story. The first and only concert I went to with my birth father was Creed for my graduation present. Do you know what the man did? He sat four spots away from me on the hill and smoked a joint and acted like he wasn't smoking a joint. Hmm. Cool. Family. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, back to the book. (laughs) Concert stories. Alan ends up having a violent outburst and um, kills the uh, health inspector, but the manager shows up. We'll talk about the manager in a second, but manager shows up and he unkills him. Yeah. Um, re-alives him. And, and uh, reanimates? There it is. I don't know. Resurrects. Resurrects. <laughs> and uh, he forces Alan. I'm alive! He forces Alan through the whispering door. Um, while the first Alan person in that house. Weird, paralyzed state, as is Hugo, May, and Nelson, and Atlas. And the only person that isn't is Wallace. Um, all right. So Nancy and Leah. So Nancy um, was the mother of Leah and mm-hmm. Leah died of, I think, cancer. Cancer. Yeah. And she came to K-Ron's Crossing. Naturally. Naturally. that she was, I think the previous Reaper raped her. Um, and then the, there was somebody before May. And then some sort of energy that she was sending out alerted Nancy to where her spirit was. Yeah. And Nancy like went batshit crazy, called the cops, said that they were holding her daughter. Because my kid's here. I can feel it. Well, I know my she was here. for part of the time she was there. And then I she... know that's a scary shit. Like, yeah, I can, I know my kid's here. I can sense her. Mm-hmm. Fucking give me my kid. That just, that broke my heart. So Leah is forced through the door. The old Reaper drags her through the door. What a piece of shit. And that is when the manager unalives that Reaper and replaces him with May because um, that's not how things work. The people have the choice for when they go through the door. Um, But Nancy keeps coming back every day and sits down with Hugo and Desdemona has taken advantage of her and convinced her that she's going to help her communicate with her daughter. And it's a whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, This story made me really sad. Oh, it broke my heart. It made me really sad. I mean, and you know, I don't child death. That to me is like, it's not something I can deal with. I used to watch the show Law and Order SVU. It was my favorite show. show. When I had James, I watched the first episode of the season after James was born. And then I haven't watched it since then. Mm. Because I was like, I'm terrified now. Like I, this is too personal. Yeah. Um, So I don't know. That's, I don't know. Um, I've dealt with childhood cancer in my family. Mm-hmm. So it uh, it touched home here. Mm-hmm. Uh, gratefully, my niece is well and healthy and happy mm-hmm. and in kindergarten and having a great, great life, cancer free. But this just um, we've had childhood cancer in my family. We've had children die in my family. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it struck home and it it's realistic. You feel that pull. A mother knows when their child where their child is. Mm-hmm. I, we can we know our kids. That is one thing we know for sure. We, we, we can tell you when it's raining because it's fucking falling on our head. We know the ground's below our feet because we feel it. We know where our kids are because we can feel them in here. And for that woman to feel that mad, mm-hmm. he Hugo showed such grace with this woman. Mm-hmm. 
such grace with this woman. Because mm-hmm. he could have just been like, hey, batshit crazy lady, get out of my tea shop. You called the fucking cops. Instead, but every day he made her tea and sat with her and told her whenever you're ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, a, that was a good part of the story. Oh, like I can feel that, and, like that, that hollow in my belly. Like, yeah. it's, oh. and, and Nancy was part of the redemption arc for uh, Wallace as well. So, all right. So the previous Reaper, we've talked about him a little bit. Um, the previous Reaper isn't Cash just can. involved with Leah. Um, there's another character, Cameron, which I guess we can talk about the two of them together. Yeah. So Cameron is what is called a husk. So he didn't stay in K Run's mm-hmm. Crossing. And so because he left the security and attachment to Hugo, he basically becomes zombie like. Um, he's a creature, like a, not human anymore. Like, like it's like kind of like what the Jabberwocky. That's like how I'm like picturing it. All black, shrouded, like big and monstrous, with like gaping, like just yeah. So you know? the previous Reaper is really to fault for Cameron running away. So Cameron runs away because, and we get Cameron's whole story, which is beautiful. Uh Cameron was a gay man. And when his partner died, um, he went into a deep depression and committed suicide. And the previous Reaper basically told him he didn't deserve to be at K-Run's Crossing because he didn't respect life. So he should just not be there. And that's why Cameron ran away. How did that guy make it through Reaper school, man? I don't know. He was bad news. But the manager unalived him, so he is- Y'all need to, like, do better jobs Mm -hmm. checking the credentials of your Reapers. I'm just saying. Right, right, right. Um, And so now let's talk about the manager. I bought him that shirt, by the way. He is cute like his auntie. (laughs) The Reaper is represented as like, what, like a seven or eight-year-old kid. Yeah. It's my nephew. That's Liam. It's fine. (laughs) I felt like that decision was so utterly motherfucking creepy, and it was brilliant. That's the point. Yeah. It's another example of where, like, Lucy came in. Right. Like, that was the point, though, right? If it was some man in a suit and a top hat and, like, he was just, like, here, you'd be like, yeah, of course, he's a skeezy old guy. But a kid that you thought just came off a playground is your fucking guy guy? That's scary as shit, man. And that's not his true form, right? So his Mm -hmm. true form was some sort of, like, deer deer horse with crazy horns or maybe it was a deer was it a deer it was a deer it was like a stag with like flowers blooming off his fucking shit and he's just like you know it reminded me a lot of um shadow and bone series the i was thinking about uh i was thinking about uh harry potter and uh the patronuses you know harry potter so I mean, of course you don't. I had a full-on debate with one of our teen volunteers yesterday about Harry about Potter. Harry Potter. Yeah, he is about such what? a fan of Harry Potter, and I was like, "I'm gonna keep going. You are not gonna win this because I have been debating literature a lot longer than you've been alive, baby doll." <laughs> and did you go? My best friend loves Harry Potter, and she still can't beat me. So, best bitches, bitches. <laughs> I did not, but yes, <laughs> we had this conversation. Um. Anyway. Um. He told yeah, me. Anyways. He told me I shouldn't work here. I didn't deserve my job. <laughs> you know what? If you don't love, you know what? I I, I stamp of approval, son. I stamp of I approval. I told him I understood. There, it is sacrilege for a children's librarian to not like Harry Potter. 
All right. So last question. And I have a little background before okay. I really get into this. So the last thing I want to talk about is the diversity and inclusion in this book. Mm-hmm. It includes acknowledgments. So I know you don't always read the author's acknowledgments, no. but I usually do. I love them. Um, he talked about his sensitivity readers. So they gave him pointers on making the characters of color more authentic. Mm-hmm. May is Chinese, Hugo and Nelson are black, and Wallace is bisexual. Um, and so I wondered how you thought diversity was included handled in this book and if you thought that he got it right so i want to divide it racial in queer uh-huh because i think one fit naturally one didn't okay uh-huh. with talking about hugo and his grandfather and their family felt natural may felt natural it was a part of her story but shoving in that w- Warren? Wallace. Wallace. Jesus Christ. Wallace, who is by, felt forced. Now, Mm. I don't, I don't feel like it was a necessary part of his story. Mm. I don't feel, I don't feel like the queerness was, I mean, the queerness was a whole part of it. Like when Cameron's story came through, that felt natural, Mm -hmm. right? That was a part, it's just, he, it felt like, TJ had to find a reason for Wallace and Hugo to be together. So I feel like the love story wasn't necessarily like you, but I disagree that uh, the queer representation in here was off. Like I actually wrote a note in here that along these same lines, Clune has expressed in interviews in his author's bio that as a queer person himself, he believes quote unquote, it is important now more than ever to have accurate and positive queer representations and stories. And when we talked about Cerulean Sea, we talked about how this was such a different queer novel because it wasn't a romance story. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that, that, that the romance between Hugo and Wallace takes away from the, the queer story. Right. Um, and I, even I, though I they don't are think a queer partnership because I think Car- Cameron's story was. I think Cameron's story was enough. Right, but Hugo he definitely made, could have been he made queer. The central characters queer too, right? And I don't, to... and I don't think he wrote them wrong. I don't think that they represented their queerness wrong. Yeah. I just think the romance was not necessary. Yeah, and shoving I that queerness in there and forcing a queer romance in this story mm-hmm. made the queerness un like it just felt redundant. Yeah, you know, I I didn't think that the romance was needed, but I didn't mind um, Wallace being queer too. Um, and I'm a bi, so I can say that. It's a, about a bi. Okay, well. I stick my tongue out. Mm. I'm hetero. Raspberry. I still feel it was a good representation. Oh, I'm what not I, talking to you. I'm talking to TJ, homie. Okay, well, I think. Because he listens, obviously. I think that when people talk about queer books, they are only talking about romance. And as a librarian mm-hmm. for children, as a former high school English teacher, what I love about the current market is that there are queer stories being told because I fully believe that queer stories have saved lives, that Mm. seeing representation of themselves, it's made a difference in people's lives. This is a story where I feel like you could give it to anyone who says, well, I don't want to read a gay book. And they read this book and this is not a gay book. This is a book that has queer characters in it. It's not the same. No. And I really enjoy that he writes fantasy with queer characters. 
And it's not high fantasy. No. It's light fantasy. It's yes. sprinkled in. It's like. And House on the Cerulean Sea is a book that I constantly recommend to people. Same. Because it was just so beautiful. It didn't matter to me that there. But this I was actually, I don't even know if we talked about this when we did that episode, but when I went to go buy that book at Barnes and Noble, um, it was on a pride display. And I said, I didn't know this was a queer book. And they said, oh yeah, they're the main character is queer. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know that book had all this buzz and it wasn't the gay book. And it's and that's not it, what I like about his writing. Yeah. All these yeah. people that are trying to ban people by banning books, they aren't banning stuff like this because it's not love stories. And that's all I have to say about that. And that's that, honey. Final thoughts? I can't wait to see what else TJ comes out with. I know. Yeah. So there's another book, um, something with puppets. Um, what? The, no, not puppets. The Lives of Puppets. So I have added that to my TBR. and Not like Avenue Cube. We're not talking like some no, crazy No, it's actually fucking... uh, robots and androids. Found right. family with robots and androids. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he hasn't led us astray yet. Well, but Leslie you... finished that one and she said it was beautiful. So. Fucking A. Leslie, fine. <laughs> fine. I don't know that we'll put it on next season. Maybe we'll wait a year. It's still in hardback and you know. Fine. I prefer paperback, but. Um... <laughs> I'll think about it, Leslie. Want to talk about what we're doing next week? Yes, Fine. <laughs> So next week we are reading this book, No One Left to Come Looking for You by Sam Lipsite, which is a Molly pick. And I I'm am tiki making her take credit for this book. She has to take credit for this book. I'm going to drink my tea. I'm, I'm, I'm going to drink my tea. We'll talk more about it next week because I've already finished it. And I have not. Yeah. I know. I love you. I don't believe you. (laughs) (laughs) You absolutely fucking do. You know I fucking love you. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Fucker. Now she's caught. Okay. Well, it's better me than the fans. I guess that's it. Um, I've posted uh, upcoming October reads Mm -hmm. on our social media. Um, Chessie's here next month. Woo! I'm so excited for Chessie. She has a recording date now. And we're working on the book. Nikki's coming back for her own episode. Yes. So we mm-hmm. officially have can confirm that Nikki Payne is coming in February when we do romance reads. And Addison Armstrong is coming in November. Um, Guys, it's a Katie's good two seasons. This is a yes. crazy good uh, These next two seasons are going to be so bomb, man. Yeah. I think we made the right decision to shorten our seasons and take a break, a longer break. Yeah. I hope It's actually been our streaming numbers have gone up it's like yeah. people are trying to catch up to us now and we're giving did them you guys forget time. about us i bet you fuckers did didn't you <laughs> it's okay sorry. we love you too fuckers ever get her to not call you fuckers but just it's know. gender neutral so is bestie so is bestie it doesn't sound as feminine ask your husband if he calls anybody bestie he calls jeremy his bestie but that's different. Him no! and Jeremy. Him and Jeremy are questionable. I've seen them together. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. I can't because I've seen them together too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. I love you, Tom. But it's true. 
<laughs> well, they did go on a date before Tom and I met, so yeah. That's a story for another time. All right. That's, that's a Tom story. That's I ain't got limited. nothing else. We right. love you, besties. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on Book Besties. Don't forget to like and subscribe. The views discussed here are those of Molly and April and not those of anyone else. Today's book was Under the Whispering Door by TJ Klune. Your book besties are Molly Biggs and April Watkins. Editing by Thomas Watkins. And music is Sleep Sweetly by Brigida. Don't forget to follow the book besties on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. If you'd like to contact the book besties, please email us at bookbestiespod at gmail.com or visit our website, bookbestiespodcast.com. Until next time, besties, get lost in your favorite book.